Hey, what's up? This is Caleb Grimes, minister of the Ina Road Church of Christ, and welcome to episode one of Refuel, Rethink, Refocus. I want to talk to you today about complacency. Why is it so damaging? Because frankly, when we're complacent, it doesn't feel so bad. We can be very comfortable when we're complacent. So why is it so bad? And then I want to ask, what causes it? And how can we get out of it? In the 2002 Spider-Man movie starring Tobey Maguire, there is this scene where Spider-Man has won a cage fight and he goes to collect his $3,000, but the guy only gives him $100. Spider-Man says, I need that money. To which the guy says, I missed a part where that's my problem. So Spider-Man leaves the room. Immediately after that, a robber comes in and steals the rest of the money. And then while he's trying to escape, he has to go right past Spider-Man. Spider-Man has to make a choice. Do I stop the robber because that's the right thing to do? Or do I let him go free? Spider-Man chooses to let the guy go free. Now the guy who owed Spider-Man $3,000, he comes out and says, why didn't you stop that guy? Now that guy has my money. To which Spider-Man then says, I missed the part where that's my problem. All right, so why are we talking about this? Because later that day, Spider-Man hears sirens and he finds out that his beloved Uncle Ben has been shot by the same robber earlier in that day, Spider-Man let go. Complacency is knowing the right thing to do, but choosing not to do it. And it can lead to some of our greatest regrets. Speaking of regrets, I cannot get out of my head the picture of the tattoo where someone meant to say no regrets, but instead they mixed the R, they put the R in the wrong place. And so it says no regrets, <laughs> which is ironic, you know, no regrets. And then They're going to have this tattoo that they regret. Anyways, um, complacency can cause regrets and some of our greatest regrets. Now, I want to read to you a quote that stood out to me. It's by Edmund Burke, and it says, All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And that reminded me of a Bible passage in James chapter 4, verse 17, where James, the brother of Jesus, says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Complacency is knowing what you ought to do, but you're comfortable just staying where you are. I remember growing up hearing that if you want to boil a frog, you don't throw the frog into boiling water. It will hop right out. If you want to boil a frog, which I do not, by the way, But if you wanted to boil a frog, because you're starving to death, I guess, I don't know, um, what you need to do is put the frog into lukewarm water and make the temperature rise so slowly that the frog adjusts with it and doesn't realize that it's boiling to death. I looked this up and this actually isn't true. But I do believe that the idea behind it is a reality, that we can be drifting in the wrong direction spiritually, but because we're so comfortable, we don't realize that our spiritual life is basically boiling to death.
A helpful way of understanding complacency is seeing the word place in the word complacency because complacency puts us in the wrong place. It keeps us trapped in the wrong place. So if God is saying, I want you to go, I want you to move, I want you to grow, I want you to get going, but we say, no, thank you, God. We're very comfortable staying in this place. We have become complacent. And can you imagine the disciples being told by Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. But then they say, no, we're very comfortable staying right here in this place. In 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war. You know what? Hold on. We need to get into this. So let, let me add some, some battle sounds, okay? Here we go. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. Okay, now listen to this. But David remained in Jerusalem. Okay, so David is supposed to be out there on the battlefield with his men, but he remains in Jerusalem in his comfortable palace. So he's in the wrong place being complacent. And then verse 2. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. Now David finds out that this woman is also very married, but that doesn't stop him from committing adultery. All because he was complacent and in the wrong place. Herb Cain said, Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up. It knows it must outrun the fastest lion or it will be killed. Every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up. It knows it must run faster than the slowest gazelle or it will starve. It doesn't matter whether you're the lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you'd better be running. If you're the gazelle, you don't want to become complacent and get stuck in a place when you see a lion approaching. You want to be vigilant. You want to be on guard. You want to be ready to run as fast as you can. On the other side, if you're the lion and you don't want to starve to death, you also don't want to be complacent. You want to be able to run when you see a flock of gazelle or Happy Meals. Now, some could say, yeah, but we're not in the animal kingdom like that. We don't wake up in the morning and worry about a lion attacking us, right? It's easy when we're complacent and comfortable to forget what the apostle Peter warned the early Christians about. He told them that our enemy, our adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion looking and seeking for someone to devour. All right, coming up, we're going to ask my kids what they learned so far in this episode. I'm going to ask them, what's so bad about complacency? You are invited. (coughs) Do you have plans for Halloween? I hope not, because we're doing a trunk or treat, and we would love to have you come out, get some free candy. We're going to decorate our cars, make them look cool and spooky, and it's free for everyone. So we'll see you October 31st from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our address is 2425 West Ina Road, Tucson, Arizona. If you have any other questions, visit our website, which is inaroadchurch.com. That's I-N-A-R-O-A-D church.com.
All right, guys, you heard the first part of the episode. What is so bad about complacency? You stay in one place when you're supposed to be in a different place. Very good. What about you, Michael? What's so bad about complacency? Maybe you don't forget. All right. What about you, David? What's bad about complacency? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Shall we continue? Yeah. Okay, sounds good. Let's look at some causes of complacency. The first one is exasperation. Maybe you're trying to please your coach or your parent or maybe yourself and you keep trying and you keep trying but you're never good enough and so you become discouraged and then you become complacent. Another one is we start to believe that God is complacent. We believe that God isn't active, he's not watching, he doesn't care, he's not going to do good, and he's not going to discipline. And I got this from Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 12, which says, At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, God is speaking in the context, and I will punish the men who are complacent. All right, God, what's, what's at the root of this? What's the thoughts that are going on in the minds of of your people who are complacent that you want to punish. He says, Those who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. So in between those two extreme beliefs, that the Lord will not do good, and the Lord will not do ill, or won't discipline, is a mindset of complacency. When we think God is complacent, we become complacent. The very next verse says, Their goods shall be plundered and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. This brings up another misconception that I've had about complacency, and I think other people do too, which is when I think of complacency, I think of Homer Simpson lying in his underwear on the couch drooling. I think of complacency as being very inactive. But notice God is upset with his people because they are complacent. But he says that they're building houses and they're planting vineyards while they're complacent. So you can be extremely, extremely busy, but you're not busy in the right things. And that was why God was upset with his people at this time. Jesus told a story about a rich farmer who was so rich, he had so much stuff that he needed to build a bigger barn. And so he builds this barn and he thinks to himself, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm just going to sit back, eat, drink, and be happy with all my stuff. And so he plans out an amazing retirement. And then God comes to him that night and says, you fool, I'm taking your life tonight. Who's going to get all the stuff you stored up for yourself? Then at the end of the story, Jesus says, here is the root of the problem. It's not that the guy built bigger barns and that he had a whole bunch of stuff. It was that he was rich only towards himself and he wasn't rich towards the things of God. We can be building bigger barns for ourselves or we can be building the kingdom of God. All right, so how do we get out of complacency? What mindset do we need to adopt 
to counter the mindset that believes that God isn't going to bring anything good in our lives because he's not active, and he's not going to bring anything bad in our lives because he's not actively disciplining us or watching us. All this is coming up. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. I want to encourage you to encourage your leaders, your pastors. Let them know how much they mean to you. Competition in church is not necessarily a good thing. Remember when the disciples of Jesus were walking on the road, they got into an argument over who was the greatest? But I want to invite you to a healthy competition. And it's found in Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. And it says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. And here it is. Outdo one another in showing honor. Pastor Appreciation Month is a great opportunity for us to outdo one another in showing honor. So send a word of encouragement, maybe write a letter or an email or give some kind of gift to your pastor. Just let them know you appreciate them and you're so grateful for them in your life. Maybe you can relate to this text message back and forth from Andy and Andy's mom. So Andy's mom says, Andy, I can't find my phone. Can you call it so I can try to track it down? Andy responds by saying, it's in your hand. Andy's mother says, I've got a bag of groceries in my hand. Are you saying it's in the grocery bag? Andy replies, what are you texting with? Andy's mother says, never mind, I found it. Thanks. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, but when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Andy's mother didn't know what was going on between both of her hands, the hand holding the groceries and the hand that was actually holding the phone she was looking for, right? But what does Jesus mean when he says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing? Because our hands don't have eyes. They can't look at each other. So what's going on? In the context, Jesus just Um, got after the hypocrites who love to do their good deeds to be seen by people. They would give with one hand and then blow a trumpet in the other hand to point out that the other hand was giving. There was two men that went up to the temple to pray, Jesus said. One was a Pharisee, one was a tax collector. The Pharisee says, oh God, I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector, that sinner over there. I fast twice a week, I tithe, I do all these good things. What's he doing? He's keeping records of all his good deeds with his his hand. One of the mindsets we need to adopt that counters the mindset of complacency is what's next. Instead of counting all the things we're doing and keeping track, we need to have open hands ready for what's next. A mindset that says, okay, I'm available. I'm ready to be used now. And then in verse four, Jesus says, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He says, you need to know deep in your soul that God sees what you do and will reward you. It might not be as quickly as you'd like. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about some people who live their life in faith and die before they receive the promises, but they will be rewarded. This counters the mindset that says, hey, I can do whatever I want because God's not watching. He's not going to bring anything good. He's not going to bring anything ill. He's complacent, so I can be complacent. This mindset 
uh, that Jesus is trying to get us to have, which is God will reward us, is is the medicine we need to get rid of complacency, to truly believe we will be rewarded for trying to please our Father in heaven. Okay, I have one more passage that deals with complacency, and that is in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1. Jesus is speaking to a church that has become complacent. It's the church in Sardis. And Jesus says, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Okay, so they're busy doing a whole bunch of things. They have a reputation of being alive, but actually they're complacent. They're not doing the things that God wants them to do. So verse 2 says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold fast to it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. I believe some people who are complacent need to hear Jesus speak to them, wake up. One night, Melissa was asleep and I was still awake and I looked up on the ceiling and I saw a spider And usually when I see a spider, I get Melissa. I say, Melissa, can you save me? And then she usually comes to my rescue, but she's asleep and she's pregnant and I don't want to wake her up. So I go find a weapon, which is the fly swatter, equivalent to David finding rocks to fight Goliath. And so I get my fly swatter and I try to hit the the spider, but I miss. And the wind from the fly swatter makes it fall from the ceiling directly onto my wife's sleeping face. She went from a deep sleep, zero to 100 miles per hour, like that. She got up off the bed and she says, what what was that? What was that? And I'm holding the fly swatter, looking at her saying, that was a spider. Can you kill it? Sometimes we need a spider falling on our face. My wife didn't. She needed her sleep, but sometimes when we're complacent, we need to be reminded that this life is not all there is and that Jesus has good work for us to do. There are people just outside of our comfort zone who need us to speak to them, to encourage them and help them. All right, coming up, I'm going to ask my kids how to get out of complacency. I know what I said, but I'm not sure what they heard. All right, we're back. I'm with my boys. There's uh, Joshua, Michael, and David. Can you guys say hello? Hi. All right. All right, after listening to that episode, I want to ask you guys one last question. All right? How can you get out of complacency? By God helping you get out. Awesome. By praying for Jesus to help you get out. That's great. What about you, David? When you sing, God can help you fix it. Oh, I like it. Thank you, David. <laughs> Since we've been talking about complacency and it can be so hard to get going and moving when you don't feel like it, I want to share some quotes that have inspired me to take action. The first one is from Alcoholics Anonymous, and it says, If nothing changes, nothing changes changes. 
it's like common sense, but yet it's so good to hear it and be reminded if nothing changes, nothing changes. If I want different results, I've got to do different things. All right, the second one is one doesn't discover new lands without consenting to lose sight for a very long time of the shore. That was by Andre Guide. It's uncomfortable to lose sight of what's familiar, but that is how we discover new experiences, new friends, new things we enjoy. Abraham is known as the father of faith, and God said to him, go, go to a place you've never been. Get out of your comfort zone. And Abraham does. He wasn't perfect, but he moved when God told him to move. This is how the Bible describes the end of Abraham's life. It's Genesis chapter 25, verse 7 and 8. Abraham lived to be 175 years old. I'd love to see his birthday cake. Okay, verse 8. He breathed his last breath and died at an old age after a long and satisfying life. Isn't that what we want? To look back at our lives and be satisfied with our choices? We won't regret the choices we make when we're trusting Jesus. And number three, the U.S. Navy SEALs have this saying, get comfortable being uncomfortable. My wife just told me this study that was done where in a pottery class, there was a a class that was broken up into two groups. And one group was told, you'll be graded on, on how perfect your pottery turns out. The other group was told, hey, you're gonna be graded on how much you produce. We don't really care so much about the quality. We just want you to produce a lot. The more you produce, the more, the higher the grade. What was interesting is at the end of that semester, that class, the people who were supposed to produce the perfect pottery actually ended up producing pottery that was not as high quality as the group that was told, don't worry about the quality, just produce um, big quantities. And the reasoning is because the people who were trying to be perfect, you know, kind of got stuck in that idea of, oh man, I got, I got to be perfect. And so they slowed down because everything has to be just right. But the other group was free to make mistakes and learn and grow. So they developed and grew at a much faster rate. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. All right, I hope that these quotes have inspired you and helped you get motivated to move and get going and do what God wants you to do. Today, we've talked about complacency, why it is so damaging. You know, it causes regrets. It gets us stuck in the wrong spot. It hurts our spiritual life. And we talked about what causes it, exasperation and discouragement and thinking that God is complacent. Then we talked about how to get out of it by adopting a mindset that says, what's next? And hearing Jesus say to us, wake up. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to share this episode or look at the show notes, just visit my website, which is calebgrimes.com. That's C-A-L-E-B-G-R-I-M-E-S.com. All right, I'll see you in the next episode. Have a blessed week. Here's a soundbite from a recent sermon. Towards the evening, I like to run because it gets a little cooler in the evening. And um, it was still raining, 
but I wanted to go on a run and I like to run in the rain. So I go on my usual 5K run and I'm running in the rain and it, it was raining the whole time. So I get back to the house and I am drenched. I'm completely soaked. And um, my time was two minutes faster than my average time. And I was thinking about that, how if I told that to people, some people would think, man, could you imagine how fast you would go if it wasn't raining that day? Because, you know, when it rains and your shirt and your shorts and your shoes get, uh, you know, soaked, that's an extra one or two pounds. So imagine if I didn't have that extra one or two pounds, you know, watch out Usain Bolt, right? But as I thought about it more, I thought, but here's the thing. That's assuming that the rain and the clouds were not actually helping me. That's assuming that this thorn was a thorn that was only producing bad. When actually, the reason why I went two minutes faster is because right before I went out to run, I checked my weather app and I saw this symbol. I did not want to turn into popcorn. I didn't want to get hit by a lightning bolt. And so I ran as fast as I could. I had extra adrenaline pumping through my veins because I did not want to die as a popcorn. (laughs) The thorn has a purpose in our lives. That person that annoys us has a purpose in our lives. Hey, what's up? This is Caleb Grimes, minister of the Ina Road Church of Christ. You just listened to an episode of Refuel, Rethink, Refocus. If you haven't been going to church and you're looking to get back in the church, we would love for you to check us out on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We're located on the corner of Ina and Mona Lisa. If you have any questions, you can visit our website, which is inaroadchurch.com. That's I-N-A-R-O-A-D church.com.